Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 18, Coming of Age. There's a lot happening in this episode because uh, Mr. Crusher is put to the test, quite literally. Is an A plot, a B plot, a C plot. Probably a D plot. <laughs> this sounded a lot like a uh, Sesame Street episode all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> Sponsored by the letter D. Uh-huh. For the Enterprise D. Very nice. And joining us to uh, to fill out this discussion is our good friend Andrew. Andrew, thanks for uh, joining us on this episode. Thanks for having me. Basically, we start with, uh, with the Enterprise headed toward Relva. And the two big things that are going on in this episode, um, I had completely forgotten... Um, about the investigation, which is kind yeah. of what, what leads off the episode, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I wrote down, I wonder which of these is the A-plot. I'm still not sure, but... Yeah, because uh, Admiral Quinn boards the Enterprise, uh, Admiral Gregory Quinn, and his assistant, Lieutenant Commander Jerkface. Like I, that guy, from the word go, uh, he's not only a jerk to everybody, but he's just doing it because... He was told to. He, he's like he's like one step away from uh you know from the Gestapo crew because he's just like he's literally just tearing into this ship and tearing stuff apart and being a jerk to everybody. But then by the end of the episode, we find out I really like your ship and I want to I want to serve here when I'm done. You know, and it's like, dude, you can't have it both ways. Come on now. He does show up later, right? Later in the series. So there is uh, another episode where we will see. Uh, Mr. Remick, and um, it actually, it's Remick is involved, we see Admiral Quinn again, and it's the resolution to this plot thread that they actually start in this episode. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. It's the whole, there's something wrong, potentially, on this ship. Um, you find out why Admiral Quinn was so paranoid. And have we lost Andrew? Andrew, either. Oh, I'm still here. I'm I'm listening to this like I'm listening to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Feel free to chime in. Also, I, I will say when you said it was Relba, it was Relba 7. Oh. Well, I, I stand corrected. I'm, oh, okay. And, and uh, Andrew is apparently joining us on some sort of satellite phone from the Antarctic <laughs> because uh, the, the call quality yeah, was, has uh, really suffered on this one. Yeah, I was going to ask if we should try that call quality. <laughs> Take a brief pause. Is it bad now? Wait, no, it's better. No, it's better. So no, we'll leave this in as flavor, and we'll just tell people that that you're in a quadrant of the galaxy where uh, the the subspace radio coverage oh. is not quite as good. I mean, so you guys know I am the the first and only person who built spaceships that you've had on your podcast. That is true. That is true. Good thing you had that end of it because I, you know, if you ended that sentence with "I'm the first and only person to ever built spaceships." <laughs> no, well, no. <laughs> no, no. I think this is a good. I think that this is a good episode for you too. Um, it's yeah. because Andrew. Uh, Andrew is actually also a person that I have been involved with uh, getting a group of people together to send him to space camps. So very much like <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Wait, send me to space camp. That was almost ten years. That was ten years ago. Yeah, that was a birthday. Like probably about ten years ago. Yeah, hmm. that was Did, fun. Was the admission process for getting you into space camp at all similar to the admission process that they subject Wesley Crusher and the other potential Starfleet cadets to in this episode? Well, if it, if it means uh, 
you just pay $300 and they let anybody <laughs> in. <Yes. laughs> and you, you walk by a room that's on fire and you have a choice of saving the people or not. And then I don't think Andrew did, but no, which is why Though, you didn't I, go to space. I will say we, we ran a fake shuttle mission and we left several of our crew in orbit. Uh, <laughs> at the end. Like in orbit outside the ship, just in like, in a, yes, in just EVA. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> At the that end, was not by choice. That was by timeline. But at yes. the end if of I this, all, all, yeah, I would. Yeah, did they determine that after this, you did not indeed have the right stuff? That whatever stuff you had was in fact incorrect? No, we were all winners that day. Okay. Was it? I mean, was it like a Kobayashi Maru? <laughs> no, it was just a fake shuttle mission in a mock-up. <laughs> I'm just imagining Andrew, uh, a la the Star Trek reboot, sitting in the middle of the shuttle eating an apple, you know, and just... Uh, so you have, what's hilarious is you have ground control telling you, like, punch in this code into the keypad. And you're, like, a quarter of the way doing that. And they're like, now you're landing. And I'm like, we're not done punching in our codes. Well, that's why they had all these speed tests in Starfleet Academy training or this whatever. This is all coming together. I've got to get the speed 2.0 to skip off the, Earth's, uh, the, the atmosphere. <laughs> We're do not they gonna... do that a lot with the shuttle? No, they don't actually. Uh, the <laughs> shuttle, I will say this, mm, <laughs> Glavin, Glavin, um, the shuttle was designed for skip re-entry, where you skip off the Earth's atmosphere, though they never did it. <laughs> Apollo was also designed for skip re-entry, though they never did it. And huh. uh, Orion, which is what I worked on, was designed for skip re-entry, hmm. and so far hasn't been done. Hmm. So, you know, we can at least confirm that that part of this episode is based in some sort of scientific well, you, fact. You, you can skip off the atmosphere. Typically, it's so you can re-enter the atmosphere, but you could skip off so you go out into space. Excellent. So, well, we're getting so, uh, think, we're getting several yes, steps ahead getting, of ourselves. Um, the, 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 the things that are happening in this episode are basically the investigation of the ship um, by Admiral Quinn and Remick, and then Wes's potential entrance into uh, Starfleet Academy, and then there's also that little that little thread that they have with the fact that Wes's pre-qualification, or however they word it, so he can actually take these tests, has um, has actually forced uh, someone else, one of his good friends, to not be able to take the test because Wes got the slot and he didn't, and that's Jake Kurland. Um, and they. Well, is that what happened, though? Yep. Yeah. It. Because it, what I thought happened was he just missed it by thirty points. Like there was a cutoff score, and he missed it. Mm, well, I think, I think he. Eh, well, I do remember something to that effect, but I, I thought they said something that like only one person from the Enterprise was going to be able to go. Yeah, there's a lot of that in here. Like, uh, like top top yeah. score only. I mean, that that's a whole idea later. I think too, where it's like, well, you got two good people, but see you next year. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Um, and the whole like this episode, while it's interesting, um, I, I think it's also problematic because none of this stuff really seems to take like later on in the series. Um, I don't remember. I mean, Starfleet classes are real big um, and yeah. I don't remember them talking about like we can only take such and such from such and such a place and yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I think we really only see that in this episode. Um, but if, if, like, so Starfleet is like a section of the galaxy, right? So you're talking billions and billions of people. And then they all have to fit into the academy in San Francisco, which is like, you know, going to fit a couple thousand maybe. Like if it's a large size university, going to fit 
thirty, forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a good got, point. They, yeah. got, they have, to have cutoffs, right? Yeah, yeah, and I suppose then this is the only episode where we get an insight into how you take billions upon billions of people and whittle it down to thousands or tens of thousands of students. I guess. Well, speaking of, so one of the well, so there are a few people in this this group that Wes eventually goes off on. Right, if we want to jump to that, but um, one of them is a Vulcan, which, mm-hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first Vulcan we've seen. This is the first Vulcan. Yeah, you're right. I think this is the first yeah. Vulcan that we see in Next Generation, which seems so, like an interesting choice, um, given that you know Vulcans are so iconic. But I wonder if that's just them trying to step away from the original series a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have I have an interesting story about this. Do tell. Well, you, you can edit this for time if you want, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I how mean, you really sell a story for for depends interest. Depends on how long it goes, right? <laughs> it's, it's my story, right? So uh, I'm at my local uh, liquor store, right? Uh-huh. And they have this beer here called Vulcan Ale. I've seen that, which is a red red session idea. I'm like Vulcan Ale, okay? It's Star Trek labeled. Even though the guy on it looks more like Doctor McCoy uh, than. Um, than any Vulcan, but, uh, so I pick it up and I'm checking out and, and the guy who's checking me out, he's like, you know, high on something. He's out of it. Right. And he's like, Hey man, this stuff should be blue. And I said to him, no, you're thinking Andorian ale. And he just looked at me. I mean, he gets points for trying, but at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) in, in (laughs) in tribute of the first Vulcan to show up on next generation. Some some bluish question mark greenish ale uh, that is actually just beer colored. Um, yep. Nice. So there's also uh, there's another human, uh, a human female um, <laughs> in the group. Can I that... talk about her for a second? Sure. So she, she is like a her name's Oleana, right? Oleana. Yep. She is she is terrible as an actress. <laughs> so I wrote right. down in my notes. I said reminds me of Queen Amidala. Just like completely flat, just one flexion. I I didn't I don't know I don't I didn't get that she was a terrible actress necessarily. She did come off a little bit like a kid, but I I thought the scenes between uh, her and Wes just played a lot like Degrassi Junior High to me, where it's like suddenly we're. <laughs> We're not in Star Trek anymore. It's just like, well, I kind of like you, and you kind of like me, but well, then we got to take this test, but we're competing. Ah! Well, hormones. This, yeah, this whole episode has a lot of 80s feel, like an 80s after-school special. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, um, there's, I mean, Wes just learning lessons left and right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, I think... Yeah, it, I, I can't even put my finger on exactly what it is, but that's a good observation that it does just as a whole kind of feel like, yeah, like an 80s after school special. Well, actually, the point that really put the the exclamation point on it for me was after they have that shuttle encounter, and we could talk about that, but the end of it, like when they save it, oh. people like it's they're like a, a beat away of jumping into the air, you know, with like one fist raise and then freeze framing there. Like, yes. <laughs> and I think somebody does. Like, they do that move with their fist. They just don't jump into the air and freeze frame. Well, it's Remick. It's Remick that does it. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And, and it's like, wow, that is very 80s after school special. <laughs> so let's talk about that here real quick, too. Um, hey, we forgot about Mordock. Yeah, we did oh, forget Mordock. about Mordock. We'll, we'll oh, come back you to mean Mordock. Mordock of the Mordock strategy. Yes, yeah. the same. Yes. 
Uh, the first <laughs> Benzite potentially something yes ever to be in Starfleet. Yes. Um, okay, now we can talk about the shuttle. So Jake Kurland, uh, is because this is an 80s after-school special, he, in failing to k- hit the cutoff for entering Starfleet Academy, uh, feels that his life as he knows it is over, and the angst-ridden teenager boards a shuttlecraft, determined to go it alone throughout the galaxy for the rest of time, but apparently forgets that he doesn't really know how to fly all that good. Um, and nearly yeah, maybe, crashes. Maybe that's how he didn't get into the Starfleet test. <laughs> yeah, he... yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He unbalanced the dilithium reaction, so clearly that was the 30 points he missed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and didn't look up the correct answers afterwards either, so gets in the shuttle, gets himself right back in hot water. Um, his, his... Can, we, can we talk about how he, how he actually got the ship? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, I kind of forgot about this. He steals the ship. Yeah, yeah. And then and then Remick says, isn't that area secured? And Riker just says, not now, Remick. Yeah, and, and the first time through I thought Riker was saying, it's not secure right now. And then the second yeah. time it's like, oh, he's saying, let's not talk about this at the moment. Right. But yeah. not now is and a they, choice of words there. And it comes up again later after the situation was, is resolved. And they still don't talk about it. Well, uh, I believe Picard addresses the situation and he says that as a as a cadet candidate, um, he was given secured access to several areas of the ship that most people wouldn't get access to. Um, I think I think there is a call out to that somewhere. He sort of says that. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah, he he just he finds his way into a shuttle. I mean, the other thing that you can imagine if you really want to would be, you know, a Terminator 2 scenario where he's got some sort of hacked video game console that he uh, splices into the computer yeah. panel to get uh, cash out of the ATM and, and then, you know, get on the, the ship. Thanks for reference. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so he... He un- he steals the ship. He gets past the security. He uh, flies the thing out into space. Immediately stalls out the engines and starts crashing towards Relva, um, Relva Seven. Um, and-, and I thought th- that scene worked pretty well with uh, Picard because it was kind of an interesting scene because Remick is there in the middle of of doing his investigations and you know, well, something's wrong with this ship and you're all crooked and whatever. And hey, what have we here? And I think that's what led. To the line from Riker where he's like, not now, Remick. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, everyone's kind of clearly annoyed that he's there. And then, of course, this happens while the principal is here, right? You know, so everybody's like, oh, God. Um, but I thought Picard did a nice job in that situation of just being very authoritative, like being the captain and and stepping in and just, it, 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 even though it's a lot of it's, you know, um, Largely techno babble because they're talking about oh the dilithium reaction's unstable and you know this. I, I thought the way that Picard was written and the way that uh, the way that um, the scene was acted, I thought did a really nice job of reinforcing like this is why Captain Picard knows his stuff. Like he just right you know just resolved the situation basically just through talking him through it. Which well, I thought and was he's nice. kind of a lot better with kids. Yeah, probably. yeah. Like it's a big jump from some of the early episodes. Um. That like he kind of empathizes with this kid. Although um, to be fair, I think Picard has issues with small children. Like this guy's practically an adult. He, he's had problems he, with Wes. He's been, he's been pretty angry with Wes for most of the series so far, though. Yeah, where he's like, "Not now, Wesley. You don't know what you're talking about, Wesley." 
Yeah. You know, go away, Wesley. Or literally, <laughs> shut up, Wesley. Yeah. 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 So this was kind of a nice one where, yeah, he did get a chance to, to yeah, be really empathetic. And I thought um, I thought the the resolution was nice, too, where um, – because doesn't is it Remick who is the one who asks like about immediately like well, wasn't this kid going to be punished or something like that and they're yeah you know they're they're basically like yeah it'll be dealt with but but ease off here slow your roll man <laughs> just slow your slow. roll so they uh, they literally bounce the uh, the shuttle off of the atmosphere um, using the techniques we described earlier in this podcast that are apparently based in real science. Um, and then Wes can continue on his adventure toward, I mean, basically this is the whole episode. It's kind of, the whole episode is really a character piece for everybody because it's, um, yeah. Yeah. there's no external threat, you know, other than really Admiral Quinn, but he's not really an external threat so much as just an antagonist, I guess I would say. Oh, and, and yeah, his, um, I've already forgotten a second, Remick. Remick. Um, yeah. I mean, Remick is, is framed as somewhat of an antagonist but not a threat, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, um, and yeah, it, it's starting to get into these episodes where they don't have to have a just hard and fast antagonist or threat, right? The, the threat that Wes is facing is um, kind of fear of the unknown and, mm-hmm. and, and fear of failure to a large degree um, and fear of failure in very specific parts of the process. Um, which is more interesting and, and it does, it plays into what you're saying, a character piece where these people can, um, struggle with their own internal struggles and, and we get to see them and it's fun. It's different. Mm-hmm. This, this is the first episode where Maurice Hurley took over and became the showrunner. So he, he uh-huh. basically told Gene Roddenberry to go on vacation and send him away. Uh-huh. So this is the first time Gene Roddenberry is not involved in an episode in the next generation. <laughs> yeah. So this you can I think you can see that in a little, you know, in different ways. Like when I look at this, this is the first episode that has like a, a multi-episode arc. Yep. I was uh-huh. just about to say this that. The first That's episode that starts to establish a lot of the um the lore and the canon of Star Trek the Next Generation. You know, beyond yeah, Monster of the Week episodes. I did not realize. I'm glad you brought that up. I did not realize this was the first episode that Maurice Hurley was involved with, and uh, Maurice Hurley will continue on. I think he still plays a role into the second season, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, he does not, however, make the transition to season three, um, but he is Probably one of the... for the benefit of the TV show. But yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because. Um, you know, season three is where the, a lot of the writing staff that we that we get familiar with, or at least longtime fans know uh, by name, is, is where a lot of those folks come come in. Um, people like Ira Stephen Bear, uh, Ronald D. Moore, um, Michael Piller uh, becomes uh, a producer on the show. Um, Jerry Taylor starts writing scripts. Um, these are all people who are, are going to be involved with the show starting at season three, but Maurice Hurley is, is important to bring up here because, um, he is largely responsible, I think, and doesn't get enough credit for at least writing the ship a little bit, um, and, and steering the, the direction of the show more towards characters and development and, and stories rather than just, um, you know what's the flavor of the week kind of thing. Um, Maurice Hurley, as a, as a fun fact too, is also the original person to come up with the concept of the Borg, um, which I think 
uh, a mm. lot of people don't realize. And and the Borg would go on to become basically the most iconic villain of the next generation era. Uh, the the most iconic new villain, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And he there's there's evidence of that even towards the tail end of this season. Um, in fact, uh, at the very end of season one, um, the episode where the Romulans return um, is intended to be a tease uh, for the for the Borg threat. Um, because the investigation, I don't know. Well, we'll we'll get to that much much later. But to bring it back here, um, yeah, Maurice Hurley, I think, was a was a move in the right direction. He ultimately wouldn't work out because um, I think he and Gene just came to too many loggerheads, and and uh, eventually the studio decided to shake things up. But but he had some good contributions here for sure. Um, and as a whole, I don't know if there's much more we can really recap because. Um, it basically just ends with, um, I guess we can talk about that that conclusion with Wes's psych test because basically what happens is, um, the the Quinn storyline is resolved and the Wesley storyline are resolved both at the same time. Well, I would say the well, storyline is not quite resolved, right? Because it's like Andrew said, it's the first place that we're starting to see a seed that's being planted, half resolved, and it's going to come up in what maybe four episodes or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the resolution is really there because because Quinn is saying a lot of things about like he thinks something is happening or he knows something. I think he says he knows something, but he can't say. Yeah. Um, something is going on in Starfleet, and that's why he wants to like put someone like Picard, someone he has trusted and now vetted, uh, into a position of higher power and make him an admiral. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it's not only that, Paul, but also they pull back from previous episodes. Yes, it's kind so of they're, yeah. They're, yeah. It's a recap episode, which would typically be like a mid-season episode, but oh. it's it's a recap of of things they've done, which is the first time I think they're doing that even, which is acknowledging that previous things have actually happened in their in their voyage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a nod to continuity when, um, yeah, because when Remick's investigating the ship's logs, they basically talk about episodes that we've seen up to this yeah. point. Yeah, he's like, hey, remember that time when you guys did this dumb thing? Like yeah, he's like oh okay that's all. <laughs> and yeah, basically, um, Remick says after turning the ship upside down, he can find no sign of wrongdoing, and he has so much admiration for the ship and its crew. He even expresses interest in joining the crew in the future. To which you know, there's almost an audible scoff by Picard and and crew. Uh, but Remick leaves, and then there's that scene between Quinn and Picard, and that's where Quinn. Uh, tells Picard all that stuff, Andrew, that you were just talking about, where there's there's a threat at Starfleet headquarters. He he not only offers to promote him to Admiral, but he offers him a job overseeing Starfleet Academy. Starfleet Academy, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because uh, the first thing I thought when this came up was, this is a thing that we'll see time and time again with Will Riker's character, where he's offered some sort of promotion, mulls with it, and then eventually turns it down. This is literally the only time we see it with Jean-Luc Picard. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's almost like after this episode is done, it, the acknowledgement is the man is a captain. He wants to be in the captain's chair, which I thought was always interesting because that was that was a thing that was part of Kirk's character. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the movies. Uh huh. So I thought in that was. Eight, don't they offer him in season eight a, a chance to be admiral as well? In season mm -hmm. eight, that season eight episode where he. Goes to Starfleet yeah. Academy and um, hosts a Shakespearean yeah. festival, <laughs> and then uh, they accidentally travel back in time to Shakespeare's time. But he yeah. saves them all, and then 
they offer him an ad- admiral position. And Season also eight. the uh, the the cadets from um, from from Lambda House uh, <laughs> really uh, really try to get his goat. Um, yep. Yeah, and yeah, the dean, uh, the dean of Starfleet. <laughs> they, they, the car. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So season eight, we'll get there. Just, uh, yeah. just trust us. <laughs> um, so then Wes uh, is he's gone through all different kinds of testing with his uh, with his cohorts that he's getting to know. It's uh, um, we haven't talked a lot about Mordock, but the thing that I find interesting about Wes Mordock. Uh, was it Yuliana? What, what's her name again? Is that it? Yuliana? Oliana? Yeah, Oliana. Yeah, and then the Vulcan gal is that Wes is not very competitive at all. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. not to say that he's not good. He is he is a force to be competed <clears throat> with. He is just not interested in competing, and he spends all of his time literally, like, giving charity to everybody else. Yeah, 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 helping others. Yeah. And it's, it's great because you start to see these seeds of... Um, even though they're competing, um, these seeds of friendship between Wes and Mordock, uh, mm-hmm. particularly, mm-hmm. Um, but among all four of them, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I forget when Mordock comes back. I should have looked that up, but um, I know he comes back later. And um, they have that same sort of bond that that is from this place where you could imagine it going different ways, right? If, if they if Wes had come in there highly competitive. Um, it could have become a rivalry very quickly. Well, uh, and they chose to go a different route. What's weird about it, though, is that Mordok himself does not come back. Um, oh, is it a different? It's, it's the a, actor that comes back. Yeah, it's the actor who plays Mordok playing a Benzite, and they um, they they write it off as saying they're both from the same something. I can't remember, but mm. basically like a family group, uh, essentially. Um, because let's see, Mordok. Uh, he's from huh. the same geostructure um, as uh, someone named Mendon, and therefore they uh, look alike. Okay. Mendon Can comes aboard about? the the USS Enterprise in uh, it's a season two episode called "A Matter of Honor," which is actually a really good episode. He Can has a for a second. I mean, before that, he has an action figure, guys. <laughs> he does. Mordok has an action figure. Mm-hmm. He does. That's what happens what with Mordock. What is he coughing? What is he breathing? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> so I wrote a note. I'm like, is he is he huffing opium? Is that what's coming out of there? Is that a performance enhancing drug? What is going on? Hold on, I'm reading. I mean, he's like catfish face, right? So he's probably it's like to keep his lips moist. I don't know. Let's go with uh, that. Respiration device. They. Huh, it doesn't say. It just says they're unable to breathe the standard oxygen nitrogen atmosphere well, so, and were required to wear a respiration device in those environments. But they don't say what they're breathing. That looks like a totally ineffective respiration device. It kind yeah, of especially does. if it was pumping something else into the air, like <laughs> something that humans can't breathe. Yeah. Mm. What's, uh, I mean, I can imagine the conversation being like, well, what what's that? And it's, you know, some sort of gas. And it's like, oh, well... Uh, you breathe that, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. And for a lot of people, it's it's very uh, carcinogenic. But so maybe, uh, okay, bye. You know. So he's a, he's a benzite, right? So maybe it's benzene that he's breathing. <sighs> benzene is a horribly cancerous uh, chemical. <laughs> Not want to be breathing benzene or be around it. <laughs> Spoiler alert: In season eight, they have to deal with all the tumors that everybody comes down with from breathing Mordock's uh, exhaust gas out of his choke tube uh, yeah, so, from this season one episode 
even in even in the entries on Benzar, they just say that it differs slightly from class M norms and that they have to breathe like different air. So, so that would that would make sense then that he's able to basically walk around and almost breathe the atmosphere. So that's like one he extra needs something else. Yeah, yeah. He needs more sulfur or something. Who knows what? Yes. Oh man, can you imagine if it was sulfur? That would be <laughs> it was like hanging out with uh with him and it's rotten egg smelly all the time. <laughs> like, oh Yeah, you might want to case that. It must be something that smells good, right? Maybe. Or maybe it just smells like fishes. I don't know. Who knows? The old fish face. Um, but yeah, they, uh, the last part of this episode is again, um, uh, you know, Wesley kind of helping somebody face their fears because it's, it's uh, Mendon, right? Who's, who's really worried about, um, really worried about his, or Mordok, sorry, who's really worried about his, uh, his psych test. So is it, is that well, and Wes is too. No, Wes is is considerably more nervous about the psych test and everything else. But um, I think he he does give him some words of encouragement. But he also gives him words of encouragement during the last like test component mm-hmm. where they're flipping, they're doing like three D Tetris. Yep. Um, I forget if he he must give him at least some kind words before the psych eval, though. But I think that the the real um, core of it is the Wes. Worf interaction on the holodeck, right? Where Wes, uh, Worf, well, Wes is standing on the holodeck and uh, not, it does, it's not on, he's just in there. And Worf comes in and says, Oh, I thought you were still at the place. And Wes says, Oh, I came back up. And Worf right. says, Oh, I'm, I'm interrupting you. I'll leave. And Wes says, You know, oh, well, I, I, I thought I wanted to be alone, but I don't. And then they have a really touching conversation. How can they know what my deepest fear is when I don't? By analyzing your psychological profile. They were very accurate about everyone I tested with. Including myself. You? I thought there was nothing that could frighten a Klingon warrior. Only fools have no fear. The thing that I found really interesting, too, is um, the way that Michael Dorn delivers the line about... um, you know, basically talking about how whatever it is you're afraid of, they'll find it, and the, it's, it was very effective. Like, you can tell it was an interesting moment for Worf, who we see regularly as the guy who's ready to get in there, ready to face battle, you know, uh, heart of a warrior, et cetera, et cetera, basically kind of let down his guard a little bit and be like, yeah, they got to me a little bit. They rattled me, you know? And I mm-hmm. thought I thought that was a... But the way that he delivered it was a, was a nice, like, you know, just be prepared kind of moment for... What kind of dystopian society is it that they can figure out exactly what you're afraid of and use it on you? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> he, says, he says, oh, well, they did an analysis of your psychological profile. It's like, really? They have that kind of control? Yeah. Well, and, and here it's a pretty low-hanging fruit, right? It, 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 we have a character, and it's a, it's a contrived character, right? It's a character that has been built to have a, a pivotal moment in their life. Um, th- this point where his father and and more is revealed about um how it went out the the how it had played out that picard was very much involved in the decision to leave his father behind to die mm-hmm. um so they're they're really playing out that that concept and the the question would be like well okay so what's it going to be for say Geordi? um like it, it's going to be maybe there's not something that's as low hanging of a fruit there um or for anyone, for that matter, and and that it's good that they only do this for Wes, so that that suspension of disbelief is easier. <laughs> but I see what you're saying, Andrew. That if you apply this to everyone that goes through this process, um, it paints a picture of yeah, they're like 
just they're hunting your nightmares. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and Wesley's test is so elaborate. Yeah, that, it is. That this whole base must be just devised as a fun house for I, doing psychological testing. Well, I wrote that down too. Like, do they just they have a bunch of random actors there? Because they also have the interaction in the hallway with the guy um whose species I'm gonna forget, but that um is offended by courtesy basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's like, well, he's is he like is he a member of Starfleet that just like wants to act on the side? Or is he just like an actor there that just does that one thing? Like, is he is he an instructor? Like He's there for a very specific reason, um, because the idea is he has he's a member of a, a species that dislikes courtesy. He bumps into Wes, and then when Wes says sorry, he gets angry, and the right response is to get angry back at him. Yep, um, it's he's a Wes, he's a Zaldan, and Wesley Zaldan. noticed his uh, webbed hands. Webbed hands, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's a pretty specific test that you could use over and over again. Um, though at the same time, like. If you're thinking about like uh, testing companies and like <laughs> somebody would write that manual and say like, hey, when you get there, there's going to be a Zaldan. Just get angry at him. Like there's some <laughs> test security elements there too. Can you imagine like, like the like the ACT prep style material that people get? Book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's like, so well, listen, the, you're going to run into a Zaldan. He's going to have this guy's chance. on the base and he's going to get angry at you. Just get angry at him back. <laughs> Here's also, in your, in your hyperspace physics test, there's going to be a trick question about antimatter yeah. matter mix ratios. Yeah. Don't forget, you can only mix them one to one. Otherwise, you just have too much of one of them. The the one thing I will point out though is that um, <clears throat> this at least is within theme uh, for the Star Trek universe because um, the very beginning of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan we have that scene where Savick is taking the Kobayashi Maru test and the bridge is staffed by bridge officers like from the Enterprise like yeah, Lieutenant yeah, Uhura is there uh, Doctor McCoy is there like uh, so so they do kind of have. They do mention that this is basically a role that instructors and or senior staff who are involved with with academy trainings and what have you um, regularly do that that they do assume roles like that and basically act uh, in simulations. Um, but it is pretty elaborate in this situation because there's a lot of like gotchas, you know, that yeah, a ton of gotchas. Yeah, because <laughs> it's one thing to be, um, you know, it's one thing to be part of a simulation where you know it's starting and ending, uh, but it's another thing to just randomly run into people in the hallway who are just part of this test. <laughs> and the one that's even more elaborate is the one that eventually proves to be his psych evaluation, where, uh, you know, he, he basically he's waiting for his eval to start. The explosion happens down the hall. And it, as you find out, it's eventually all part of his test. But they would have had to set up a room with steam coming out of broken pipes, uh, multiple actors bandaged as if they were actually injured, even though they weren't, um, and, and acting along so Wes could ultimately make his well, choice. Was that steam or was that hydrogen? I couldn't tell. It well, was, it, it was them, right? It did Mendon. create um, yes. created, um, icing on his hair. Um, True. Is that what that was? Yeah, yeah, I would imagine there was some sort of chilled gas, um, but the I don't know. It's not. It wouldn't be that much of a stretch, right? To have a room with like some steam pipes and you throw some, and then it was here's, the person here's that was more injured. elaborate than that, though, Paul. So he goes into the room and you look outside and there's just tons of people walking back and forth, right? Yeah. He's in the room for like a minute and he comes out. The halls are empty. So literally, they as soon as he went in the room, they had to ring a bell and say, "Everybody, get to your hiding spots." Places. Yep. It's a surprise party. <laughs> and then he comes out, and he's not all, at all like 
where did everybody go? Why is there not a single other person in this whole place? The thing that I would have liked about this, because it would have been incredibly easy for them to do, is that uh, I would have liked if at the end of this, um, like the pro- the professor or whatever came in and said, you know, uh, end simulation, and he was in a holodeck the whole time. Ooh, yeah. Because yes. that or would have been turbo easy. the guy out of the hallway, he just disappeared because he was a hologram. Right. Yeah. Yep. Nice. I like that. Because then it answers all of these questions that are very hard to answer now because, like, do they just have a room that does this? Where it's like, no, I mean, we've already established a holodeck can do these things. And it would make total sense that they have one of those in place for the testing of candidates, especially if you want to do something elaborate like this where it's customized for every cadet because you just program in the simulation and off you go, you know. So Yeah, that's a good call. That would have been nice to see, I think. But. I think it still works. It's just when you think about it a little bit later, you're like, well, that was pretty elaborate <laughs> for for one guy. Well, and if you're only running four people at a station, it sounds like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could kind of go all out. But Yeah, yeah, true. Exactly. And you're then, right. That would be a great cost-cutting measure. Like if you just brought that up in a, a meeting, like, hey, guys, could we could do this to a holodeck. <laughs> and someone's like, done, do it, holiday. And then they'd be like, oh, guess we don't need these two guys anymore. You're fired. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. Aww. laughs> I just contributed to the loss of 24th century jobs. Uh, yep. Once a year, I pretend to get pinned under this thing and then pulled out to safety. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist, he actually it's has another job. job ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, my name's Scruffy. I'm the janitor, you know, it's... <laughs> He does that too on the side. Um, that's pretty much it, right? Because Wes misses the entrance by a set number of points. Uh, Mordok is the one who's going to be in Starfleet. And then that's it. Um, now would seem like a good time to get into our bests and worsts. Uh, Andrew, as our guest, you get to go first. Uh, what was your worst part of this episode? I think Remick. He, he was just... He was not a nice guy. Uh, Paul, how about you? Worst part of the episode? Yeah, it's it's hard to pull out too much bad from this. Um, and I think I, I changed my mind throughout, and I might be stealing yours, Burns. Hmm. Um, and, 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 and to a large degree, I'm reaching. Um, but but it, it might be the um, the fact that some of the testing and all of that does start to unravel when you um, really start to dig into it mm-hmm. and then say things like, well, why would they do this when they could have just done a holodeck and um, do they do this for everybody and how much time and effort goes into this? And, um, <clears throat> you know, the, it, it's a, it's a weird test to some large degree. And, um, there is that factor of anytime you have a test like that, there are going to be people who, um, get in there and get the test questions and all of that and prep you for it, which doesn't appear to happen at all. Um, so I, I don't know, it, it, it feels nitpicky, um, but just tightening that up a little would have helped. Um, but the fact that I'm having so much trouble coming up with anything that would be my worst this is pretty indicative of the fact that this is pretty already or a pretty uh, tight episode already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit with my worst and say that the worst part of this episode <clears throat> is actually not in this episode. And let me <clears throat> explain. Um, <clears throat> the the thing that makes this um kind of a compelling a plot or you know i mean we've gone back and forth on which one's the a plot which one's the b plot right but you know you got wes on the planet and the starfleet academy stuff that's all pretty good 
The stuff with Remick, even though it kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, it's still kind of compelling because you're like, what's going on here? I mean, what's, I mean, what is he, what could he possibly be so worried about? The only unfortunate thing is I'm going to really struggle with whether or not I want to recommend this episode because it almost means inevitably if you watch this one, you have to watch the conclusion of this storyline, which is terrible. It's Wait, you don't, you don't like that episode? Oh my <laughs> God, it is. Oh, I haven't rewatched it, but I uh, remember terrible. liking it. <laughs> it is an awful, awful episode. I mean, just just terrible. It really is for me the worst part about the episode because otherwise yeah, it fair. it largely works. I mean, pretty much everything across the board works in this episode. It's just that where you go with it is just not so good. Um, yeah, what's <laughs> the best part of the episode for you? Uh, Andrew, how about you? What do you think? What I thought was the best was there was like a, a scene or a handful of scenes where um, Remick is, is questioning. First he questions Data, then he questions Worf, then he questions... Uh, um, uh, Dr. Crusher and then Picard and, and the I liked that it was like this seamless uh, transition between each person mm-hmm. that mm. it was like you know turn the computer around then turn it back the other way now it's warmth and then like I'm standing here and I'm standing here and it's you know it's somebody else and I just thought that was a really good like television scene I just I, you know something different than what they'd done before. But what I especially liked about it was the way data just shut Remick down. It was like, <laughs> Nope, you're wrong. Nope, you're wrong. Nope. Data. And, I, and, and I just, I just got it such a kick out of that was he just like, he was so logical about it that there was just no way he could penetrate, you know, what data had to say. Yeah. That was a really nice, uh, it was a really nice scene. Yeah. Um, Paul, how about you? Yeah. Mine's gotta be the, um, uh, wharf West. Uh, on mm. the holodeck mm-hmm. or in the the holodeck room mm-hmm. um it's just uh, Worf at this point in the series like they're, they're using him so carefully and um appropriately that it, it just feels like every time Worf is doing something they've really thought it out mm-hmm. um and it's a great conversation and um it's it's really everything west needs at that point right he doesn't need advice from say Picard or Riker or these other people that have gone through this differently. Um, he needs somebody like Worf that, you know, is, is going to be pretty honest with him about um, how this plays out and, and um, who is someone who shouldn't be afraid of the test as Wesley is conceptualizing it, now telling him, well, you should be afraid, but you also shouldn't. Um, is a really interesting play between those two characters, and it tells us a lot about both of them. Yeah, it's a good scene, yeah. Um, my best, uh, in this episode is also a character moment. And I referenced it earlier, but I I think it's, um, I, I think there are a lot of points in this episode where you get to see who Captain Picard is, how his influence over the ship has helped shape the ship and the people that inhabit this, this, you know, Federation flagship. But I think him at his best is that Jake Curlin rescue, um, where again, he just, um, without a moment's hesitation, knows what to do and knows what to say. And just purely through the authority of his own command and through the, the gravitas of his own personality is able to talk a panicked kid out of crashing his shuttle into the atmosphere and blowing up in a, in a, in a pyre and, and able to talk him through a pretty complex piloting maneuver to save his skin. Um, and I think it works really well and does, I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of silly that at the end of it, everybody's like, yeah, woo, you know, but, but 
I, you know, I kind of got caught up in it too, where I was like, hell yeah, you know, <laughs> like at the end of that, I was like, and they did it. Yes. You know, so I thought that was a really nice, uh, nice character bit for, for Picard. Um, so now we get to talk about, is this on our roadmap, um, for the newbies? Yes or no? Um, Andrew, what do you think? You know, I, I watched this episode probably three or four times. And nice. the first couple times I watched, I said, this episode is terrible. <laughs> you know, not having been through the slog that you guys have been through. Um, <laughs> yeah. I said, nothing happens. There's not really, you know, the stakes aren't huge. Um, you know, it, there isn't a monster of the week. Nothing big is happening. But then, you know, as I started to put it in context of the greater series of, of what comes forward in that, you know, they're they're looking backward on episodes and, and setting up plot for future episodes and linking it in. And they're um, they're essentially making it part of a, a greater uh, um, a greater universe. You realize, okay, so you know you're getting backstory on characters, you're getting backstory on Wesley. I gotta say, it's a watch. Um, after, you know, once you really dig in and, and figure out what what this episode is setting up, I think it's a watch. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I would agree, and I think Paul, you might be there too, or are you? You know, yeah. is, is this yeah, a I three? Think the one, the one thing that's kind of scary about it is the fact that they're getting close to that idea of a clip show or just a raw recap episode. But they they, they maneuver around it carefully and they use it well. You know, it's and it does it it moves the ball forward for almost everyone involved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a big sweeping episode for anybody, but it's moving things forward and in a, in a way that a lot of episodes don't because they don't want to look at this bigger picture continuity. And I think it's a very needed bit of character development at a very critical time in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is exactly the kind of episode that you do when you're about, you know, uh, halfway through or, or almost approaching your final quarter of your of your first season. Um, well... And if you look at some somebody like Wes, where we just two episodes ago had him like leading a hunger strike among a bunch of kids on a planet that nobody cares about, <laughs> uh-huh. like he was in that episode a lot more than this one. Oh, maybe, probably about the same. But his portrayal here is so much more effective. Yes, yeah, so much more Wesley Crusher than just well, it could have been any kids, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it could have been any like semi older kid leading that that resistance yeah um i'd like to point out too that you know earlier we talked about how remick making references to other episodes um three of the four episodes are on our watch list that they referenced (laughs) so they referenced the naked now where no one has gone before and the battle which are all on our list the only one that i think we said skip justice and they do reference justice naked now is not on our watch list oh you're right (laughs) oh you're right Okay, well then it's uh, then that's actually a perfect reflection of our our run so far. Then it's fifty fifty. <laughs> hey, it's betting betting five hundred. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So um, yeah, you, some of the but what's nice is basically everything you need to know about the naked now and justice you hear in their recap, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, I think that is going to do it for for this week's episode. A lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to talk about. And uh, Andrew, a lot of fun to have you on the show. So thanks so much. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thank you. We'll be back uh, next week. We'll talk about uh, what it is to be a true Klingon and have a heart of glory. Until then, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And we'll see you out there. Wesley, you have to measure your successes and your failures within. 
Not by anything that I or anyone else might think. But, um... If it helps you to know this, I failed the first time, and you may not tell anyone. You... You failed? Yes, but not the second time. Thank you.